you something. I go down a lot of rabbit trails, so so bear with me, because I'm not a preacher, and I'm not a theologian, and I'm not even a Bible scholar. I'm I'm just a, a run-of-the-mill attorney who loves the Lord and is burdened for the lost. And I don't know why you're here, but you want to know why I'm here? Because I love you guys. By the way, I already got a gift this morning. Uh, oh, Sunday school. What a blessing. I was blessed. You know, I, 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 I think about uh, why this building isn't jammed with people. Waiting to get in. If I'd have said, if I'd have told Pastor, look, kind of of let it be known that LeBron's going to be here with me this morning and he's going to give a testimony, you know what? This place would be packed. And by the way, I'm going to seek, I'm going to try to do that because I have a a pathway to LeBron that I can can make that request. I'm going to be interested to see what he has to say. And then I want to see how many people show up. <laughs> the first time I was here, I asked three questions. How many are blind but now are, were blind but now can see? Raise your hands. How many were lost but now are found? Raise your hands. How many asked somebody to come to church with them today? Three hands. Four, five. Five hands. You see what I'm talking about? And, and that's not unique here. It's all over. It's all over. But you're blessed. You're blessed with, with a keyboard player, a pianist. Yes. Amen. Amen. You, you guys don't realize, I don't know if you do or not, but Gwen, she is an accomplished, magnificent Amen. musician. Yes. I love to hear her play. <laughs> you're blessed beyond belief. And so what we're going to talk about, we're going to, we're, we're going to talk about several things. We're going to talk about um, scrambled eggs. We're going to talk about um, dead. We're going to talk about life. And we're going to talk about love. And uh, putting that thing all together is going to be a, a, a real accomplishment, I think. <laughs> But I'm going to ask you a question, and, and I think I'm going to ask this to anybody who's in their teens or younger. What is this? What else? What else? What? That's what I was looking for. It's the instruction manual for our life. I'm not, I'm not a Bible scholar, but you know what? I, I believe what it says. I believe what it says. I heard a, a quote recently that I want to share with you. It really struck me as so, so true. Don't put a question mark where God put a period. Because I have a tendency to do that. I have a tendency to put a question mark. Hey, but Lord, you know, what? what why, why did you say that? And what's this mean? And... And what's it say? 
And, and, and God's taught me uh, quite a few lessons on those kind of things. Um, if, you, if you ask uh, and you're willing to hear the answer, um, he'll give it to you. But if you're not willing to hear it, he won't. Well, why the nursery rhyme? Well, how many righteous are there? Where, where's that? Where's that? Where's the Bible say that? Romans chapter three. Really good. There are none righteous, not even all of sin. Then leave me out. I want to tell you something. My wife says, "Don't brag." I said, you know, that's good advice. <laughs> but uh, the only thing I want to brag about is what the Lord's done. I want to brag about Jesus. And, and what he's done in my life would knock your socks off. Uh, it, it's, when I think about it, it, it it's, to this day thrills me beyond uh, my, my ability to understand But you know what? We're all a bunch of Humpty Dumpties. You know, we, we, we've, we've, we've scrambled our eggs and we don't know how to unscramble them. And, and you know, I, I sometimes I speak at the jail and, and I, tell them, I tell them that, you know. I say, you know, we're all, we're all a bunch of Humpty Dumpties. Our eggs are scrambled. We don't know how to unscramble them. You don't know how to unscramble your eggs. I said, but but he does. What's, what's Proverbs? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in every way acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He'll direct your path. You know, Romans 3 is none righteous, not even one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many of you saw the Passion of Christ? Yeah, I, I, I saw that. When I left there, I couldn't talk. And I said, Lord, take me home now before I ever sin again. Take me home now. I said, thank you, Lord, for, for receiving my, the, the, the stripes for me. Receiving my stripes, my beating. You know what the Lord said to me? Do you know who delivered them? You did. You did. See, you've got to put it into perspective. I always want to talk about, I tell my wife, my dear wife, she's a saint just putting up with me. But, but you know, uh, I say, honey, look, he, look, look what it says. Wives, respect your husbands. She said, what, what, what are you talking about? It says, love your wives. Treat her in an understanding way. I said, you know what? We're both reading the wrong scriptures. I should be reading what she just told me, and she should be reading what I just told her. But you know what? I don't want to do that. I don't want to look at me. I want to look at her. Pastor asked how many were, were, were 
angry this or Sunday school, I guess it was. How many were angry this in the last 48 hours? I had to raise my hand. Because I got angry with my wife. The first, first time I ever got to share at, at Chapel Hill, where I, where I was going to church at the time, I, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, you let me speak all over the nation, all over, the, even out of the country, and, but not at my own church. The Lord said, you weren't a problem in, your own, in the other churches. I said, I said, well, well, Lord, I didn't take sides. At the time, there was a, there were two camps about who was going to be the next pastor, and one was a was a son-in-law to the pastor, and I forget who the other one was, and and there were two camps, and I said, Lord, I didn't take sides. He said, Yes, you did. I said, No, I, I really didn't. He said, Yeah, you really did. He said, By the questions you asked. By the tone of your voice, you let everybody know where you stood. I said, oh God, forgive me for that. Forgive me for that. Next day, I got an invitation to speak at Chapel Hill. And so, boy, I went and I went to my Bible, I went to my computer, and I put in the Holy Spirit. And I had every scripture that mentioned the Holy Spirit. And then I read uh, about Stephen. And it said, you stiff-necked people. I said, that's the one I'm going to use. The Lord says, no, you're not. He said, furthermore, you're not going to get anywhere until you go upstairs and get right with your wife. This was a lot of years ago, by the way. And so I went upstairs and I said, honey, she was just going to sleep. I remember it was 1030. She was just going to sleep. I said, honey, I got to ask you to forgive me. And and tears came in her eyes. Because that's all she wanted to hear. I said, honey, forgive me. And she said, okay. And I went back downstairs and man, I'll tell you what. it, it, It was freedom. It was freedom. And the Lord said to me, he said, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to ask that church for forgiveness. So I got up in the pulpit and I said, I said, I have to ask you all to forgive me. I said, because I judged you all. And I had to go to all the elders one at a time and ask them to forgive me. And they didn't even know what for. But the Lord, in his word, let me know. And I judged them. And, and uh, I, you know, I said, uh, I said, I have to ask you to forgive me because, um, well, before I get to that, uh, the Lord said, you call them fools. So you call your brother a fool, you're in danger of the fires of hell. I said, Lord, I didn't call him a fool. He said, no, not with your mouth, in your heart, you call them fools. And I had to go to all those elders one at a time and say, would you forgive me? And he said, what for? I told them. And they all forgave me. And boy, the freedom that gave me. 
the freedom that gave me. And I want to tell you, at the end of, uh, of my, my speaking, my sharing, I always call it sharing because I'm not a speaker. But uh, at the end of that, I said, you know, if, if you have ought against anyone here, has ought against each other, I said, you know what, get rid of it. Get right. I said, if you want to get right, right now, come on up here and make it public. Every elder came up. And after the service, kids, a young guy came up to me. He said, I have to, Paul, he says, I have to ask you to forgive me. I said, what for? I said, I he said, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> I said, I forgive you. But, you know, the healing... The healing in there. See, God can unscramble the eggs. All we got to do is pay attention. Why don't we? I don't know if you have your Bibles. <laughs> you can turn to First Corinthians chapter two, verse fourteen, and I'll read it to you. I have I have to put everything in in eighteen font because my eyes are so bad. But listen to this. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And listen to this. He cannot understand them. Because they are spiritually appraised. But he who has the Spirit appraises all things. Yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I remember, I remember sharing at church that I said, uh, you, know, you, know, you know why men don't understand women? Anybody know the answer to that? I had the answer. Because I got the spirit of a man. And she's got the spirit of a woman can't understand her spirit. But listen to this. The two become one flesh. And now we have a joint spirit. And we can understand each other. You know, I, 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 I used to, we used to smoke pot every weekend. Well, at least I didn't hear <laughs> Used to do that. And we had a good time. And I liked it. No hangovers. Nobody got mean. We all had a good time, laughed and carried on. And had just had lots of fun. And I argued with the fellow who led me to the Lord, Fred Jennings. I used to argue with him about it. I said, well, God made it, for Pete's sakes. He wouldn't argue with me. He just said, be not drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. That's all he said. Well, I was at a, it was very early in my, my Christian life, and, and I, was, uh, I, went, I was going to every Bible study I could find. And I went to this Bible study, it was all young people, 20s and younger. Uh, 18 to maybe 22, they, it was about the age of the kids that were there. And uh, I was there. To, I just wanted to hear it and and uh, be there. 
after the study, we were standing around talking and these kids started talking about marijuana. And I said, I want to tell you something. That stuff's right out of the pit of hell. I said, because when you're high on marijuana, you're putty in the devil's hands. And I turned around and Fred Jennings standing behind me with a big smile on his face. <laughs> and I went home and I took my stash and I dumped it in the toilet. And I took my bong and I busted it up. And I took my roach clips and all my stuff and threw it out. And that was the end of it. That was the end of it. But you know what? He couldn't. Fred couldn't convince me of that. But God could. But God could. We need the Spirit of God in order to understand His Word. Otherwise, it's a mystery. And we cannot understand it. You know, I hear people, they say, Oh, I read the Bible, I can't, I can't figure out what's being, you know, I can't figure it out. Well, I don't understand it. I said, let me ask you something. God, God gave me two gifts. God gave me the gift of evangelism and the gift of prophecy. I don't know if I like that. Because to whom much is given, much is required. And I want to tell you, I have no excuse. I'm the least of the brethren, believe me. But I believe that book. I believe what it says. Do you? I don't want to answer because I'm a lawyer. (laughs) And as soon as you answer me, I'm going to start inquiring. (laughs) Show me the evidence. (laughs) Show me the evidence. You know, at uh, at um, our our service, I I go to a uh, brethren church. I go to the Norton branch of the. Grace Brethren Church. And uh, at, at uh, Good Friday, pastor talked about Barnabas. I'm not Barnabas, Barabbas. Talked about Barabbas. You all know who Barabbas was? Who was Barabbas? Yeah. God... Jesus Christ died in his place. We're all a bunch of Barabbases. He died for us. He died for me. He took my place. He took my I never looked at Barabbas that way before. He was an example of all of humanity. By the way, the two the two guys who were crucified with Jesus, they represent all of mankind. The one guy looks over and says, well, if, you, if you're the Christ, if you're God, why don't you get down off of here and get us down? You're not God. The other one said, you're talking to the, to the Christ, which means Messiah. You're talking to the Messiah. You're talking to God. And he looked to Jesus and he said, Jesus, remember me. And what did Jesus say? This very day you will be with me in paradise. Those represent all of mankind. The ones that say yes, the ones that say no. And you know what the Bible says? If you haven't said yes, you said no. 
By the way, I, I, I started to tell you, I got a great gift this morning. And his name's Jonathan. And Jonathan said, I just received Jesus. I just made Jesus my Lord. You know what? I, I, I could almost jump out of my shoes. That, that just blesses my heart. That just blesses my heart. Here a young, young boy say, I just gave my heart to Jesus. What a gift. What a gift. Well, let me ask you something. What's the wages of sin? Well, I guess I'm not going to ask to show of hands how many here are sinners, but um, I guess I'll ask, is there any here who's not? Raise your hand. <laughs> I don't see any hands. So what that, what's that mean? Well, are you dead? Let me, let me, let me share something with you. My, my dad died, and they put him in a casket. And he had a new suit, and he had a tie. And the, the uh, uh, funeral director, he, he, he uh, put makeup on him, and he looked great. Looked great. People came up and said, boy, your dad looks good. I said, no, he's dead. <laughs> you know, I never heard a funeral director say, you know, this one over here is really dead. But this one's just sort of dead. You know, I mean, you, if you're dead, you're dead. And it doesn't matter how, much, how good you make it look. You're still dead. I want to tell you something. If you're a member of the praise team, and you're at church every Sunday, and you read your Bible every day, those are all good things. And you have quiet time with the Lord, and you don't know Him as Lord of your life, you are dead. And I don't care how good you look. I, w- I was raised Catholic. Now, I, I'm not putting any religion down. By the way, it's a good religion. And I'm, I thank God that I was raised with a spiritual part of my life being attended to by my teachers. Our kids need that today. Because what they're getting, they, every day they sip iniquity. If you look out there in this world... Well, all you see is iniquity. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. Some professor said, I'm going to see what... Um, he had just had a son, and, and um, they asked him about uh, whether he was going to raise him as a boy or a girl. Or, you know. And he said, well, I'll let him pick his own gender. I said, what... what is this guy lost his mind? All you got to do is pull his pants out and look down and you see what his gender is. Well, where have we gone? Abortion. Listen, listen. 
Here's what the word says. You are secretly and wonderfully made, knit together in your mother's womb by God himself. How dare anybody go into a, the, what should be the safest place on the planet and butcher a little baby? How can that be? How, how can that be? I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. The wages of sin is death. If you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. By the way, I don't want anybody to leave here today dead. So if you haven't given your heart to Christ, uh, let me tell you about a, a young man by the name of Clifford. Clifford Bailey. Big kid, big, big man. He was, I don't know, six, 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 four, something like that. Nothing but muscles. Looked terrible. He had, his eyes were yellow from drug use and probably liver problems. I don't know. His mother came to my office and she put 1500 bucks down on my desk. And this was quite a while ago. I hadn't been saved very long. That was a great retainer then. And I didn't even ask for it. She just put it down on my desk. She said, would you represent my son? I said, absolutely. Put the money in my wallet. <laughs> And I started checking out Clifford's case. And they caught Clifford at a drive through window of a bank with stolen checks, forging the checks high on heroin. I went to see him in jail. I said, Clifford, there's nothing I can do for you except tell you about Jesus. Do you want to hear it? He said, yes. And I said, I'm going to ask you three questions, Clifford. I said, could you ask God to forgive you for all the sin in your life? He said, yes. I said, do you want to? He said, yes. I said, Clifford, could you tell God you're willing with his help to turn away from sin? He said, yes. I said, do you want to? He said, yes. I said, now I'm going to ask you a third question. It's the easiest and the hardest, both. I said, could you ask Jesus to come into your heart to be Lord of your life? He said, yes. I said, what's Lord mean? If I asked you, what's Lord mean? Come on, I can't, I can't hear you. Master? That's a good, that's a good synonym. That's, that's, that's good, Master. Literally, it's not a religious term. We, we, we think of it as a religious term. And most people say it's God. They use it as a title for God. It's not. It's a, it's a position. And back then, a woman called her husband Lord. And, and a worker called his boss Lord. And today, we'd probably say boss. I said, now Clifford, can you make Jesus with your own mouth your boss? I didn't even know about Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised me from the dead, you shall be saved. Oh, hallelujah. I mean, God made it simple. Man confuses it. I'm going to ask you, what does restitution mean? Can anybody tell me what restitution is? Payback. Who's it for? 
the victim. Wrong. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. It, it is partially for the victim. But you know what God's word says it's for? The thief. The offender. You know why? Because until he makes restitution, he carries the wrong. Now you're going to know the answer to this one. Who's forgiveness for? People say, well, that's for the thief. No. It's for the victim. Why? Because until he forgives, he carries bitterness and anger and hatred in his heart and it eats you alive. But see, man, he, he, he always switches it. Man says, find a good-looking woman who's big boobs, little waist, looks good, feels good, smells good, tastes good, fall in love and get married. And God says, find a godly woman and marry her and love her. See, man says, love your girlfriend. And God says, love your wife. Walk in. You know, it's terrible, but I hesitate to ever go in that direction because every church you go into, half the people are divorced. What's God say? I hate divorce, saith the Lord. The Pharisees went to Jesus and said, can, 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 and you find it in what, Matthew? He says, can we get a divorce for any reason? He said, no. They said, well, Moses said we could. He said, from the beginning it was not so, but because of the hardness of your hearts. Well, you can ask the question, do you believe what it says? Do you believe it? Now, I, I know, listen, God saved my marriage. My marriage was this close to over. My wife was going her way, I was going mine. I was doing wrong things. And so was she. And I got where I couldn't stand her. But God saved my marriage. One day, we had this huge argument. I don't know what the heck we were argue, arguing about, but, but uh, I said, look, do you want a divorce? She said, no. I said, do you want a separation? She said, no. I said, do you want an open marriage? She said, no. I said, do you want a conventional marriage? She said, no. I said, what the hell do you want? <laughs> she said, I don't know. I said, well, leave me alone and I'll be happy. Just leave me alone and I'll be happy, man. I went in the bathroom and locked the door. What do you want? I want to in and I want to talk to you. I said, no. I told you, just leave me alone. The next thing I know, she's standing in the bathroom. But the door is no longer attached to the house. She broke the door jam into three pieces and I can prove it because you can see the seams where I had to cut it off and put a new latch in and all that. And the hinges came out of the wall. She, she told me many months later that the Holy Spirit gave her the power to do that. <laughs> and I believe it. Because I, I don't think I could have done that. In my best days. But that got my attention. And my wife used to apologize to me like this. She'd say, I'm sorry you made me do that. 
And you know what that would do? That would just make me angrier. But she didn't say that. She said, would you forgive me? I said, what? She said, would you forgive me? I said, yeah, I'll forgive you. Now leave me alone. (laughs) And from then on, my wife began to treat me like a Christian woman treats her husband. She began to give me respect I did not deserve. I didn't know that two weeks earlier she had given her heart to Christ. She was born again. She passed out of death into life. She was a new creature. But that got my attention too. And I just thank God for my wife. Because she believes that book. And it didn't matter how wrong I was, how bad I was, she was going to love me because God's word tells her to love her husband. Actually, men, uh, I, I hate to tell you, there's only one place in the Bible where it says for a woman to love her husband. And that's the older women are to teach the younger women to love their husband. <laughs> But it tells us many times, men, to love our wives. How many of you read the scripture? Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Did you ever ask God how that is? I did. (laughs) I said, okay, God, how did you love your church? Now, that might seem like a silly question because I figured the answer was I died for it. But that's not the answer I got. The Lord said, you know I died for my church. I don't have to tell you that. And you know I lived for my church. I don't have to tell you that either. He said, but what you don't understand is, while I was being murdered, I asked the Father to forgive the murderers. And I didn't even attribute malice to them. I said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He said, when you learn to forgive your wife like that, you'll love her like I love my church. I said, I wish I hadn't asked. (laughs) See, I'm a very forgiving person. I can forgive very easily. But, I always, you know, I was always this kind of guy. Yeah, I forgive you, but but you did that just to hurt me. And why did you do that? And, and, And God said, no, 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 no. Forgive her, forgive the person, and don't attribute malice to them at all. Don't attribute malice to them. You know, you know, I, 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 if you come into my office, you're going to hear about Jesus. Period in. I don't care who you are. If Pastor Gus comes into my office, if I didn't know him before or anything, you know, he would hear about Jesus from me. I had a, I had a pastor, I won't tell you his name. And he, we, 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 I was representing him for some stuff, and he, he said, uh, 
after we talked for a while, he said, you're trying, to, you're trying to find out if I'm a Christian, aren't you? I said, yeah. <laughs> he said, yeah, I know the Lord. I've received Jesus. But I don't care who you are. I had a Lutheran pastor that I had the privilege of sharing Christ with. And he said to me, he said, you know, you've changed my ministry. I said, no, I didn't change your ministry. He did. He did. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing together even the soul and spirit, the joints and the marrow. It means it cuts both ways. And listen to the part that got me. It's the discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. In the first Bible study I went to, I was asked to read that. I had never read the Bible. I owned one my whole life, never read it. I went to Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, Catholic college, and Catholic graduate school and never read the Bible. And Fred Jennings taught the first Bible study I ever went to. And I figured uh, there's going to be some priest or some, some pastor going to be teaching this thing, some reverend, and I'm going to show him who knows what. And I went there and we went in and uh, Fred said, uh, we got two rules. He said, rule number one, we won't talk about anybody's religion. And he said, rule number two is, for tonight we'll use the Bible as the final authority. You don't have to believe it, but tonight it's the final authority. Now what's on your mind? And somebody asked a question and we had an hour and a half Bible study on that question. And I never saw a man knew God's word like that. And manhood went up in my estimation. And uh, I asked him, you know, I was there like a Pharisee. I was going to show him who knew what. You know, I had more degrees than a thermometer. I figured I'd figure I could <laughs> show him. I said, yeah, what about this? He said, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19. I didn't know... There was a book in the Bible called 1 Corinthians. And I'd been to church every Sunday of my life. But I turned there because I had put tabs in the Bible because I knew I hadn't read it. (laughs) And when I came to that verse, he said, Paul, you want to read that? And I read, the wisdom of man is folly to God. And I thought, that's true. I didn't let anybody know I thought that. But I thought, that's true. My wisdom's got to be a real joke to God. And I left that Bible said I couldn't forget what I had heard. First John, chapter 5, verse 12. Actually, we'll pick it up in verse 11. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Listen to this, though. He who has the Son has life. They're not dead. They're not dead. He who has not the Son has not life. They're dead. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? 
You know, people, I have people come in my office and, and they'll say, uh, oh yeah, uh, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I said, well, let me ask you something. He's Savior even if you don't believe it. But he's only Lord until you make him Lord of yourself. I said to a, a fact, this was the a young man of color. Uh, actually, he was older than me, but this was quite a few years ago, probably 30 years ago, close to that. Um, and I was talking to him, and I always, I always tell people, there's no such thing as a legal problem that isn't based on a spiritual problem. And I said, if you like, we'll deal with both. If you don't, if you don't want to, I'll never bring it up again. No one has ever said, oh, maybe one person I can think of ever said, no, I don't want to talk about the spiritual part. Because they, I found that people are, the field are white on for harvest. The harvest is, is plenteous, but the laborers are few. You, you know, it's, the, the word says, though we have 10,000 teachers in Christ, yet we have too few fathers. And ladies, you can be fathers in that sense. One week after I had prayed to receive Christ, which was after a Bible study in a living room in Cahaga Falls, not in the church. I don't care where you go to church. Your church ain't going to get you there. But one week later, I'm coming out of court. My client was a young man... Uh, who was sent to prison. He was 18 years old. And it was his first adult offense. It was burglary. But he had a juvenile record that went on 7, 12 pages, something like that. It was horrible. And you could see it was getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And Judge Quillen, he said, uh, I'm, I'm going to put this guy in jail. I, we got to get his attention. He said, but, you know, file a motion. Well, that told me he's going to let him out on a probation uh, what they call shock probation. His name was Stephen. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm leaving the courthouse, and as I walked out the door, I heard this. I want you to go back and tell that young man about me. I went, what? I heard, I want you to go back and tell that young man about me. And I, I'm kind of looking around, and I, and I turned and started to go to the jail. It used to be right next to the courthouse. And I thought, you're not a preacher, you're a lawyer. Go back to your office. And I turned and started to go to my car. And I heard, I said, go tell him about me. And I turned and started to go to the jail. And I heard, then I thought, you don't know what to say. You just got saved yourself. You don't, you don't even know what the Bible says. Go back to your office. And I turned and started to go to my car. And the Lord said, I said, go tell him about me. That's the only time I ever heard God's voice. I can't, today I can't remember what it sounded like, but I've asked the Lord to, to speak to me like that just one more time. But he hasn't seen fit to do so. But eventually I went back to that jail cell. And I had, they had Stephen brought down to the conference cell, and I said, Stephen, keep your nose clean. I said, in 30 days I'm going to file a motion. But, you know, uh, and if you don't get in any trouble, you'll probably get it out. And he said, okay. I said, by the way, do you ever read the Bible? He said, a little bit. Why? I said, do you want to talk about it? He said, yeah. 
when I got down to it, he said, yeah, he wanted to receive Jesus. I'm thinking, oh, what do I do now? And, and I didn't hear a voice, but in my heart somehow I heard, what did Fred do? And so I said to him, are you ready to ask Jesus to come into your heart to be Lord of your life? To ask for his forgiveness for the sin in your life and acknowledge that he died for you? He said, yes. And we held hands in a jail cell and Stephen bowed his head and prayed to receive Christ. That was the first one. Sometime later, I called up Fred. I said, Fred, guess what? He said, what? I said, you're a grandpa. Though we have 10,000 teachers in Christ, we don't have any fathers. Do you believe it? If you knew the cure for cancer and your next door neighbor was dying of that cancer, would you go over and tell him the cure? Can you imagine if he was on his deathbed and you walked over and said, you know, I knew the answer. I knew the cure, but I didn't think you'd accept it. Or, you know, I, was, uh, I didn't want to push my beliefs on you. Uh, or I was embarrassed and, and, and so I didn't tell you. Can you imagine what that person would think of you? But what, do we do that? We know the answer. We know the cure. For our deadness. We know. Who have you told in the last month? You know, my wife hates it when I do this because, but, but I just want to encourage you. The fields are white for harvest. The, the devil tells you a lie. He says, you're going to offend them. Or they're going to think you're pushing your religion on them. Or all, every reason not to do it. It's a lie from the devil. I'm telling you, but there are so many people that, that I don't know how I see it. I really don't. I, I see that they're, that they're ready. Somebody's praying for them. And God's going to let me pick the fruit. By the way, blessed are the feet he who takes the message. I want to have blessed feet. It says, blessed is the person whose quiver is full of them. Full of what? Souls. It's the only thing you can take to heaven with you. The souls of other men. We were in Rockneys. And, and I, I, I belong to the Fellowship of Christian Magicians. And... Uh, uh, so I always do a magic trick for the for the waitress or waiter or whatever, and um, because and I tell them I say you know why I showed you that and they say no why I said because when you show somebody a magic trick all the walls go down and and they, every person they say you know what that's right and I I said well could I ask you a personal question oh yeah I said where are you spiritually. Oh, and this guy says, well, you know, I used to go to church, but, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And we, we got to talking about it. And, and, and eventually he said, hey, can I do that? I said, absolutely. I said, when do you want to do it? He said, right now. I said, good. And you know what he did? He knelt down beside our table at rock knees and prayed to receive Christ and passed out of death into life. 
And I said, you know what just happened to you? I said, you passed out of death into life. I said, this very moment, the angels in heaven are rejoicing over you. Over you. On the golf course. We had a threesome. Was supposed to have a foursome, but one guy didn't show up. So I, I saw this kid sitting at a bench, and he he looked like a world falling in on him. And I walked over to him. I said, "Hey, would you like to join us? We, we've got three. We need a fourth. Would you like to join us?" He said, "Yeah, I would." So we we were up on the tee and at the first tee, and and we all took our hats off and asked the Lord for protection and that we have the right attitude <laughs> and that sort of thing, and. Um, teed off and we're walking down the fairway and he says to me, he says, you know, I never did that before. I said, well, you know, we, we, we want to be a good testimony, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And coming up the, the second fairway, we're talking about spiritual things. And he said, you sound like my grandma. I said, thank you, Lord. Not to him, I didn't. I said, you're going to let me pick fruit grandma prayed for. We get to the fifth tee. There's a group just teed off. There's a group just getting ready to tee off and us. I said, would you like to do that? He said, yeah. And he knelt down on the tee and prayed to receive Christ. He wasn't ashamed, was he? No, he saw the, he saw the cure. He saw the answer to his deadness. He saw the answer to his life. Gets a, I, you know, I was amazed. He knelt down on the tee in front of everybody and prayed to receive Christ. I told you about Clifford. Two weeks after he prayed to receive Christ, I, went, I was in front of the judge and the prosecutor was on, on my left Judge was on the other side of the desk. I said, Judge, I'm going to ask you to do something. And I said, before you answer me, hear me out. He said, okay. I said, man cannot help Clifford. I said, he's been on probation, parole, halfway houses, prison twice, three drug programs. Man can't help him, but Jesus can. And I said, and I know he has a personal relationship with Jesus because... Not because he told me he did, but because I was there when he did it. And I said, so I'm going to ask you to give Jesus a chance and put him on probation. And the prosecutor went, (laughs) but never said a word. And Judge McFadden looked down at the, the paper on his desk and then he looked up and he said, I'm going to do it. And he put him on probation. His mother came to me the next day, tears running down her face. She said, I don't know what you told my son, but I've never seen anybody change like that. She said, Clifford has five brothers, and all five of them are in prison. Two years later, I had the privilege of leading one of his brothers to Christ. Though we have 10,000 teachers in Christ, yet we have two of your fathers. If you're going to leave here alive, and please don't leave here dead. But if you're going to leave here alive, are you going to be half dead? Or are you going to believe this book? 
really believe it and go share the, the answer with your neighbors, with your kids, with your relatives, with your enemies, with your co-workers, with your golf partner. That's your mission field. That you might see someone pass from death into life. But you know what happens? We get all tangled up with sin in our lives. Now, I'm not going to ask for any raise any hands. I'll just tell you a story. At, at Cross Point, Pastor Tim um, had a, uh, a, a thing he was doing on uh, virtue. And he had the elders test, uh, share with us, the men, um, the first time they ever saw pornography. I said, Pastor, this is why I get in trouble all the time. I said, Pastor, you shouldn't ask them to share the first time they saw pornography. You should have them share the last time they saw pornography. You know, I was on my computer, and I was president of Alliance Men at, at Chapel Hill, and, and I was on my computer, and I, there was an email, and I didn't recognize the name. It was a female name, and I clicked on it, and it took me right to a porno site. And, and I didn't go into the site. I looked at the samples. And you know what? I might as well have gone into the site. And you know why I hate pornography? Why do you think I hate pornography? Anybody? Because I love it. That's why I hate it. That's why I hate it. And I went to, my, to, to our group next meeting. I said, I have to ask you guys to forgive me. I said, why? Because the Lord said, hey, get out of there. And I didn't. And I said, uh, I told him the story. And after our meeting, uh, and I, I figured as a, as a leader that, that I need to, I had to answer. And anyhow, one of the guys came up to me and he said, uh, I can't believe you did that. I said, what, going to the site? He said, no, told us about it. What's the word say? Confess your sins one to another. Why? You know what? Six months later, I said, I'm mad at all you guys. I said, what for? I said, nobody said a word to me about it since. I said, what you should have done was say, hey, Paul, how you doing? You getting into that stuff anymore? You looking at that anymore? That's why. Why do you think I embarrassed myself that we would tell you that I did that? Because I want you to hold me accountable. Because I know my heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And I can fall like that. That's why I want to keep tight with this book and with with the author. Well, I've probably gone over way over time, right? Well, in court, they time me with a calendar. <laughs> All right, I'm going I'm to... 
close it up. Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm just going to read it to you. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of power. Who's that? Yeah, the liar. Tells us lies. Tells us lies. Of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived. In the lusts of our flesh. Indulging in the desires of the flesh. And of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath. Even as the rest. But God being rich in mercy. Because of his great love. Do you know you're loved by God, even if you're wicked? I'm so thankful he loved me in my sin. I'm probably worse than any of you here. But he was gracious. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By, by grace you have been saved. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Isn't that simple? You can read the rest of this. I'm not going to go through it because I've kept you long enough. Um, I'm going to share one, one other war story. How many of you know about Judge Barbudo? Okay, I see lots of, lots of hands. I hated Judge Barbudo. Judge Barbudo was Italian. I'm Italian. Judge Barbudo was a Catholic. I was a Catholic. Judge Barbudo was an attorney. I'm an attorney. Judge Barbudo was a judge. I took my clients to him for justice. I figured if anybody should go to hell, Judge Barbuto should. And then I heard a tape by a Christian comedian by the name of Mike Warnke. Mike Warnke is a great storyteller. Now, he's not the greatest example of a lot of Christians, but, but he had some great stories. And he told about being a Satanist priest and being a drug dealer and and the Christians, campus crusaders after him all the time, and he, and he finally joined the army to get away from them, and he ended up rooming with two turned-on Christians. <laughs> Doesn't he have got a great sense of humor? And he punched one of them out and knocked him down. The guy was laying on the floor, bleeding all over the place, and he said, if you say Jesus Christ to me one more time, I'm going to wait till you're asleep some night, and I'm going to cut you open like a Christmas turkey. And the guy said, I have to, Mike. He said, you have to? What do you mean you have to? He said, Mike, I have to because I love you. He said, you love me? I just punched you out. You're laying there in your own blood. And he said, you say you love me? What, are you crazy? He said, Mike, you don't understand what love is. He said, okay, smart guy, what's love? He wiped some of the blood off his face and he held his hand up and said, Jesus Christ hung on a cross. <laughs> <laughs> 
and shed his blood for you. And if you're good enough for Jesus, you're good enough for me. And Jim Barbuto's name went through my head. And that very day I got on my knees and started praying for Jim Barbuto. And I called him up, but his line was, his phone was unlisted. So I called his attorney, Jim Burden. I said, Jim, I said, I'm trying to get a hold of Barbuto. I said, could you give me his number? He said, I'll check. So he checked with Jim Barbuto and he called me back. He said, yeah, you can call him. He gave me the number. Next thing I know, I'm in his house. And he says to me, Paul, will God forgive me? I said, do you have a Bible? He said, yeah. I said, go get it. He goes and gets the Bible. And I open it up and it cracks. It had never been opened. You know how a new book will... And I, I began to show him the scriptures where, where God says, I'll forgive you if you'll just ask. And the next thing I know, Jim Barbuto and his wife and I are on our knees in his living room and he prayed to receive Christ. His attorney called me up. He said, we were going over to... He said, what did you say to Barbuto? I said, why? He said, we were going over to, to uh, court for sentencing. And uh, he said, up till then, all he ever said to me was, keep me out of jail. Do whatever you have to do. Keep me out of jail. He said, I asked him, how do you feel about it? And he said, whatever God's will is, is okay with him. See, God will unscramble the eggs. A month, month after he got out of jail, he came to a Bible study at my home. See, Jesus died for Jim Barbuto too. Jesus died for Jim. If you're dead, and only you know, I can't see your hearts. Don't leave here dead. I'm going to pray that prayer that I prayed with Clifford Bailey and with Jim Barbuto. And if it's a desire of your heart to ask Jesus to come in and take rule over you. Join me in that prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask for your forgiveness for all the sin in my life. And I am willing, with your help, to turn away from sin. And I ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart, to be Lord of my life, to be my boss. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, you've passed out of death into life. You're a new creature. And now I'm going to pray for all those that are half dead. And if you want, join me. Father God, you've heard us. You know our hearts. You know every one of us. You know what we're doing every minute of every day. We can't hide from you.